This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week, I landed on Connecticut. Connecticut. It's such a small town. Or a small state, not Wait, town. did you do Connecticut already? I don't think so. Did I fuck up? I don't know. Because I feel like you couldn't say the word Connecticut. No, I couldn't say... Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, I did a story on Connecticut. So if we did it already, we apologize. But, like, there was no hole in that there, Matt. So So this is kind of like the awkward part of the United States map where we've kind of had to just choose states because... They're like this big on the map and we'll never hit them. We are not that good at throwing darts. <laughs> no. So especially with our eyes closed. <laughs> right. So we chose these ones. At least I chose this one for this week. Um, and we're gonna talk about the unsolved murder. Murder. Of Sylvia Baker. Ooh, why does that sound familiar? I don't know, because actually it received little to no. Like, acknowledgement from media. Really? Yeah. I don't know why that name sounds familiar, but I'm excited. Yeah. So, it's case number 8232014 in Hartford, Connecticut. And it has uh, remained unsolved since the summer of 1982. Okay. Detective Andrew Jacobson is leading the investigation now and is hopeful that this murder may be a missing piece to solving a much larger puzzle. Ooh, conspiracy. Is it possible that the murder of 28-year-old Sylvia Baker is linked to a possible serial killer that has been preying on the community of Hartford for decades? Yeah, I serial killers go a very long time under the radar. Yeah. Especially when they're not doing it very often. So yes. some serial killers have like a ritual of doing it once a year or like killing once some- every five years. It's real. it's hard to like, mm-hmm. and if they, if they are really spaced out, it's hard to see those patterns. Right. Right. Unless they're like, it's like somebody once a week, then we're, mm-hmm. then we're going to start noticing a pattern quickly. But if it happens over decades, then it's going to take a while to notice some patterns. Yeah. New people on the cases. Yeah. They don't remember. Yeah. Those kinds of things. Yeah. So Sylvia Baker was a loving mother of two young children. She worked at uh, Hublin Inc., which was a food and beverage company. Okay. She also worked at the Hartford Public Library. And when not at work, she was taking sociology classes at the local community college. So, like, a nice, caring mother. Like, not... Anybody like trying to get into trouble? Hey. Not any like it, and that's what really stood out to the detectives in this case was like, who would want to hurt this woman? Like she is just a single mom trying to provide for her children, like trying to gain more knowledge, going back to school, right? So I don't know. That was kind of that's always just baffling to them. They're like, what? Like why? Yeah, she's not the typical person, like usual suspect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she was quiet, kind of kept to herself, like just an average, like average normal person. 
<sighs> Those are the worst, though. Yeah. So the love that she had for her children could be seen through the like very detailed notes that she would take on their daily activities. Okay. And then you can also see it through the letters that she would write to her teachers anytime she had like a concern or or anything uh, with her children. So just very loving and open, like loved her two children. No, that makes my heart warm. On July 17th, 1982, a Saturday evening, um, Sylvia Baker's son Kelsey was watching TV and his sister Alina was asleep. Sylvia was in the apartment with the children. They lived on Sisson Avenue, which was very close to the Mark Twain house. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Sylvia uh, gathered the trash from their apartment and told her son that she would be right back and leaves the apartment to take the garbage out. Okay. After waiting for her to return, Kelsey begins to wonder where she is and goes to the window of the apartment. From there, he can see his mom talking to some neighbors outside on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. After seeing her, he returns to watching Love Boat and soon falls asleep. He did not know that this would be the last time that he would ever see his mother again. Yeah. Outside, Sylvia is having a conversation with her neighbors, and when a blue van pulls up to the curb, the neighbors stated that there were several people inside, both male and female. Sylvia, Sylvia seems to know the people and approaches the van. After a short conversation, the door to the van opens, and Sylvia willingly gets inside, and the van drives off into the night. That's a little weird, though, right? I think so. I mean... Like, who who was in the van? And to this day, we don't know. Nobody knows who was in the van. Well, and if this was a mother that, like, kept to herself and mm -hmm. um, was just all about her kids and school and working and just random group of people just come up and she gets in the van. Right. Never get in the van. Well, that's what, like, all the neighbors said, like, she seemed to know them because she saw the van, approached the van, was having a conversation with them through through the window. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they open the door and she just hops right in. That's so weird. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was my next question was why did Sylvie enter the van? And no one knows. Yeah. Yeah. So this question is constantly on the minds of police investigators as they try and solve this case. One theory is that maybe she thought she was getting in the van just to have a conversation and not it did not expect to be taken anywhere. I mean, I wouldn't get into a van to have a conversation. True. That's true. I am good on my two feet out here. True. Where I can run away. <laughs> when Kelsey and Alina wake up, their mother is nowhere to be found. And in a park nearly two miles away, some children are playing and they discovered a gruesome sight, the body of a woman was discovered near a pond in Kenny Park. Oh. The body is completely naked and partially submerged into the water. Both her wrists and ankles were bound in a red and white seersucker material and a blindfold was pulled over her eyes. Although there was no although there was no identification near the body, it did not take long for police to figure out that the woman in the pond was Sylvia Baker. Mm -hmm. And they soon discovered that the cause of death was strangulation. I mean, what could lead to that? That's my. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's just strange that she one getting into a van. With multiple people, multiple. Yeah, that's that's weird. Right. If it was just like, I don't know, you almost you're like, would it be easier if it was just like it was her ex-boyfriend? Yeah. Who pulled up and they were having a conversation or 
but I think it's just it's just strange that it's a group of people and it's both men and women. And so you and you would see that and I don't think I would be alarmed by that. Like if somebody got into a car and it was like there was like four five people in the car, I'd be like, okay, like they're going to go somewhere and have fun or Well, granted, I think probably even if you were a little bit wary, you would see women in there like like yourself Mm -hmm. and be a little bit more comforted than if it was like a van full of guys. True. That's true. Yeah. So no one quite knows how she got from the van to the park. Mm -hmm. The park was two miles away from her home. So, I mean, not super far, but like not really close either (laughs) yeah i mean if she was in the van they could have just gone all together to the park right and the one that's why they don't know if like maybe she like jumped out and then started walking back home or something or if the van took her to the park and yeah that group of people did something to her i just don't i mean if you were saying that she was all about her kids, I don't see her just going on an adventure out of nowhere and mm-hmm. leaving the kids at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. Without telling them, I mean. Right. Several several yards away, and there's some, like several like dozen yards away, like okay. so pretty far distance. Mm-hmm. The wallet of a local man was found on the ground, and... Police quickly went to the address because, I mean, that's weird. Yeah. Um, but it is a part. Yeah. When they did, when they talked to the man, the man claimed that he heard about a body in the park from some neighborhood kids and immediately went down to the park to see for himself. This was before the police arrived to the scene of the crime. Mm. Um, nothing ever came of that. They They think that, I mean, from what I've read, the police bought his story and just kind of left it at that yeah um which i I mean i could see yeah maybe i don't know if me per like me personally if somebody was like there's a dead body in the park i'd be like oh no that's not for me yeah i mean i would be calling i i don't know i mean i definitely would be sad and probably not want to go but i also curiosity kills the cat you know mm-hmm. kind of situation but then also if he was just trying to uh verify that information before he alerted like make sure it wasn't just like kids being dumb and like pulling a prank or anything or maybe he was trying to go help to see if that maybe if she was still alive or yeah and try to get to her Mm -hmm. or whatever and he did say he didn't touch the body or anything he didn't disturb the crime like the scene of the Mm -hmm. crime he just verified that she was there and then i don't know if he contacted authorities or what but yeah. It doesn't sound like it because, I mean, if they would have all that information if he had. Mm-hmm. Very true. People who know Sylvia immediately started speculating that an ex-boyfriend was to blame. But Sylvia's mother brought up a pretty alarming revelation okay. about this whole thing. In an interview with a local reporter, Ethel Logans reveals that her daughter Sylvia had recently joined a new strange religion. Oh, gosh. She also states that she believes it was cult-like, and her daughter quickly realized that something was not right with her new faith. She then tried to leave the cult-like church, and they made it particularly hard for her to do so. Even going as far as saying she can't leave. No. Mama's no best, right? Yeah. So the cult that Sylvia's mother alluded to was actually Rastafarianism. 
Oh, God. Which this religion was not very well known at the time, and it does spark a lot of suspicion from the public mm-hmm. in this case. However, investigators have gone down that road and they did not find anything that would suggest that they were involved with her disappearance or her disappearance and eventual murder. I mean, if it was cult like, how many times have we heard about cults? Yeah. And I've heard of Rastafarianism and I don't really know what it is. I didn't actually look it up. Do you know anything about it? I've heard it. I've heard it. I feel like it's more a. Just look it up real quick. Always. So, in the meantime, Sylvia's ex boyfriends were interviewed, but the murder does not seem to be a crime of passion. And that's when the case turned cold. It didn't seem like, you know, a lover's quarrel gone wrong. Mm-hmm. It seemed very methodical, planned out, like. I, I don't know, like the fact that she was bound by the wrists and her ankles and then there was a blindfold over her eyes. It doesn't, I, I agree, it doesn't seem like a crime of passion. It seems like this is something that somebody planned to do and they like, they even had a idea of where to like leave the body, right? Like yeah. usually in a crime of passion, it's, it's a murder of convenience. You grab mm-hmm. whatever's nearest to you and use it. Use it. And then you don't you don't usually move the body to a secondary location. Yeah. I, I mean, mean when we don't know if the park was a secondary location, I I would would think that it would be because I don't think that this naked person would be in the park not screaming, not causing a scene, not you know what I mean? Yeah, unless they did it in the van and just dropped the body. Right. Or well, just but then that's a, a secondary location. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting. And I don't think there were tire marks, which means that her body was carried there. I mean, you said it was the middle of the day, right? It was at night. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, a summer night. Okay. Because I was like, if it was the middle of the day, why didn't anyone see this? Yeah. Yeah, no. The body was discovered in the middle of the day. Oh, okay. So she was murdered at some point that evening prior. Got it. Yeah, so what do we have on Rastafarianism? I guess it is just part of, they believe in a god, but it's actually called, their god is called Jah instead of God. And they believe like a little piece of Jaw is with every single individual. Okay. Um, and it's of course it's derived from like the Jamaican yeah. area. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't seem too cult like. No, it doesn't. I mean, there's. I think I think there's extremes to every religion. Yeah. And so maybe the group in that area was known to be a little particular maybe with like rituals or something like that but it's it's interesting yeah well and it what i'm reading here and obviously i'm not going super in depth but it's these people that believe in rastafarian are fluid and open to interpretation and believe in like one cohesive worldview okay so i know that bob marley I think was Rastafarian. Okay. 
Um, and he believed in like one love and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So people do just take it to the extreme, like you were saying, and yeah. don't and turn. I think. I mean, this is just getting me on my soapbox right now, but I feel like in every religion, you're going to have a subset of group. Like there's people that actually believe it and live it. Yeah. But they don't force it on into anybody. Yeah. And then you have these subgroups where it's. They're a little more extreme. They're extreme. They want everyone to be a part of it. They mm -hmm. recruit everyone and they want you to stay. So yeah. power in numbers. Yeah. So. There's definitely nothing to say bad about the Rastafarian like yeah. religion, yeah. But the subset of people could have just been very culty. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, never. And those people were never identified. Yeah. So we don't know. We don't know who they are. They were never interviewed. They were never brought in for like nobody knows who they were so nobody could provide a detailed description of those people in the van yeah and we don't even know if that was part they exactly. were the exactly they were part of the cult her mom was just pointing the finger mm -hmm. at a situation she was involved in which is what she should be telling the cops mm -hmm. but we don't exactly know who was in the van and reading her interview it sounds like she was probably echoing a lot of stuff that maybe sylvia told her mm -hmm. in conversations so, I mean, maybe Sylvia thought it felt like cult-like and she wanted to get out. And that those were the words that she used with her mom. And then her mom echoed those back, right? Right. Um, so, once again, ex-boyfriends were interviewed. Nothing really came of it. Uh, we weren't. We don't have any witnesses from the van. I mean, the neighbors on the street were all interviewed, and nobody could really get a detailed description of anybody in the van. Um, so the case just turns cold at that point. Obviously, yeah. So the idea of a serial killer has haunted the local police department in Hartford for decades. In the late 80s and the 90s, investigators realized a pattern of women disappearing late at night. Mm -hmm. All of these women were known to frequent bars or nightclubs in Hartford's North End. And this is the same area that Sylvia Walker entered the blue van. Okay. The connection between Sylvia's case and these later killings were never suggested publicly. So is it possible that Sylvia's death is connected to all the other women who were killed and left in local parks? And if it was, hers, I believe, from my understanding of it, may have been one of the first ones to happen. Hmm. So you can see maybe like a um an MO like evolving and changing over time, which they do. Yep, they do. Um maybe if it was the first one, the the killer, you know, thought it was too risky to just like pull up people from like a group of people on the sidewalk, right? So let's go to bars and nightclubs. People are e easier targets there. I thought you were going to say people are easy. <laughs> no, they're, I mean, there's a lot of serial killers. That's where they would find their victims was bars because they, you go to a bar and I mean, if you're a single person, chances are you're looking to leave with somebody. Right. Right. And not, I'm not saying everybody does that, but. Yeah, true. But you are going, you're usually, especially smaller towns or like those mm -hmm. smaller bars people usually go by themselves. They don't go with a group of friends, like mm -hmm. going out to the club. 
definitely. Investigators will investigators will not say exactly how many cases they believe to to, to be linked to Sylvia's, uh, but there are at least four cases that fit the pattern that they are now starting to piece together. Yeah, but I just feel like that type of situation, like there's probably a serial killer, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But taking people from bars and dumping them in a park is a kind of normal occurrence. Yeah, in these cases, they can be. But I think from what I understand, all the women looked very similar. Okay. See, that's where when you get into the details. Yeah. And then like hands and wrists were bound, blindfolds over their eyes. They were found naked in a park. Okay. I think the the puzzle is kind of coming together. And I do know that. So this article that I that I got a lot of this information from i mean he the the investigator um andrew jake detective andrew jacobson is leading all of these cases in present day 2022 oh, wow. and he is hoping to find more information and he he believes that they may have an arrest in the next one like one to two years Ooh. because they're able to process dna they're able to do more now and and go back and reopen some of these cases and they he thinks he does have some some good information in this case so um he's be, oh, cards close to his chest he's not revealing yeah. anything um he does not want he said he does not want to just like storm in and make arrests that's not his goal mm-hmm. he wants justice but he said sometimes that's very slow and methodical mm-hmm. and you have to piece things together so they're hoping that they actually might have resolve within the next couple of years. Ooh, we could do a follow-up. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. So anyone with information about Sylvia Baker's murder or other unsolved Connecticut crimes can leave anonymous tips for the cold case unit by calling 1-866-623-8058. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.